Welcome to Full Bloom, the podcast for millennials on a journey to finding purpose and pursuing passion. My name is Martina Lindo, and I believe we can learn from each other's experiences and hopefully help each other to bloom and grow into the people we were always meant to be. Your journey to full bloom starts right now. I'm so excited today to have with me Miss Anna Agogo. Hey, girl. Hey. Hey. Welcome to the podcast. I'm so, so, so excited to have you. Um, I met Anna when I went to She Podcast last October, and she is the founder of the Black Pod Collective. Um, And actually, I'm going to let her introduce herself and tell us some more about the Black Pod Collective. And who you are. Of course. First, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here and speak with you and your audience. Um, As she indicated, my name is Anna Gogo, founder of Black Pod Collective, an organization I founded in April of 2019 after feeling like feeling alone in the podcasting journey and wanting to find a community that looked like me and build resources. And from there, it really just took off. Like we really started off as just an Instagram page. Um, From an Instagram page, we started (laughs) hosting events um, to bringing on a team of six writers that write about content to help our community. And so our big pillars are three in total. (laughs) One is community, which is live events as well as virtual support. Mm -hmm. My big thing, I love bringing like people together. Like it's, it's stressful, but it's also the thing that I enjoy the most. Um, The next thing would be education. I really feel like as a community, sometimes we don't have the same access to information because some of these events can be five, $600. People Mm -hmm. are starting courses for $2,000. And so to me, it was very important that we had some educational portions of our community. And Mm -hmm. so that's where the blog comes into play. We're launching a podcast for podcasters at the end of this month, where it was exciting. You don't know how excited I am about this, (laughs) but it's an educational podcast to help you get started on the right foot and learning Mm -hmm. from people within the industry. And then we're launching workshops. So every third Thursday of the month, we're going to be having workshops where we can help our community learn the tools that they need from some great industry insiders. And for what, $10? Because it's not about the money. It's about making sure we have the access. And then the last thing for us is visibility. So that's where the directory comes into play on our website. That's so exciting. Congratulations on all of those exciting and so, what is it, useful things to podcasters. Um, I've been doing this since July, so not quite a year. And I would definitely say like if I had found you guys at the beginning of my journey, I feel like I would have been further along. So Keep You're already so far along, but that is such a huge compliment because I know, yeah, really and truly like the community that you've built up and I'm kind of running ahead of myself in terms of the conversation, but the community that you've built is really impressive. And you can tell that the people that come to the, at least in the Instagram space and the events that I've been to, you know, you guys are all very like... About your business. I love that. <laughs> like, you might see that with Black people. Because, you know, sometimes we be trifling. Let's be, Let's be honest. We be trifling sometimes. And when I see, like, us really together, it makes my heart sing. And that, see, to me, that's what it's all about. You know, like, it's not competition. It's not... It should never be anything other than just trying to see each other Mm-hmm. together and grow together and make sure exactly. that we're all supported because it's a white male dominated industry and there is no reason why for the few of us that are here that we can't really help and band together to make sure that our voice is heard. Exactly. Exactly. And I think that's so important. And that message rings true to any space that we take up, right? You know, it's, it's, we are trying to carve out a piece of the world for ourselves, created by ourselves, you know, supporting one another as we do it. So just talk a little bit about, well, first let's talk about you, Anna. What were you like as a kid growing up? 
Oh, Jesus. Um, okay. <laughs> I know most people get thrown for this question because they don't think that that's what we're going to talk about. But I think it's so important when, you know, understanding somebody's full bloom, you got to know what they were like as a kid. Because I believe that, and this is proven, that you are the person you're going to be for your whole life by the time you're five years old. You just go through different evolutions of that person. Like, think about it. How did, like, when you wanted something from your mom, how did you ask as a kid? I'm pretty sure you still do that same thing today just as an adult in a more appropriate and sometimes not even appropriate form. (laughs) My family and siblings and parents, all of it would probably describe me as a very bossy child. Um, I, I can see that. I can see that. But like, I mean, I don't mean that in a rude way because I was definitely a bossy kid. <laughs> that sounds horrible. Wait a minute. The times you've interacted with me, you thought I was bossy? No. I didn't think you were bossy, but you're definitely very commanding in terms of like knowing what you want. And there's nothing wrong with that. Do not feel bad about that. Like uh, you command not attention, but you command not respect. You do command respect, but it's like your presence. It just speaks very strongly about the kind of person that you are. You're in charge and that's okay. <laughs> I was a very bossy child. Um, mine was the youngest of five girls, but yet I was the, like, I was the boss of the five girls. How did you manage that? Uh, that's probably why I had to be bossy. People trying to bully me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, I was the bully, honestly speaking, if we're being <laughs> Um, I was a very um, sure of myself child Um, from a very young age. I was very like assertive. So Mm -hmm. if I didn't want to do something, I didn't do it. It didn't matter if you spanked me, put me on punishment, timeout. It didn't matter what the situation was. I was not going to do it like that was that. So uh, my mother always talks about how she knew that I was going to be very strong in life because mm-hmm. of the fact that as at a very young age, like I was very articulate about what I wanted for my life and um, always kind of like just set myself up for that. So like even in middle school, I started saving like the money I would make from like doing little chores, not only in the house, but for the neighbors. Um, I think I had developed a side hustle of like selling candy. At <laughs> so like I would buy. So we had we lived in Orlando, Florida. And hey, there was, shout out to the O. Oh, that's where I grew up. Oh, OK. And <laughs> there was like the Limbe lady. And I don't know what like what would that be? The Limbe lady was was like this lady who sold like these little push pops and stuff like that in yeah, her house. Yeah, the candy lady. That's exactly. what we call her, the candy okay, lady. The candy lady. <laughs> um, but she also would like sell candy for like stupid cheap, like stupid cheap. Like it didn't make any sense now that I'm an adult. Um, but I would then sell it for more than what she sold it to me for. <laughs> and I would save my money and like I kept a little like ledger, a notebook where I, you know, I put like what I sold and what I made oh, and how much I spent. Um, So I was that kid. Like I was very big on like managing my finances, like first job at 14. And I wanted to make sure I like saved appropriately, um, like all of these things. So I was always a very organized, very meticulous and very like sure of myself. Like if this is what I want, then I need to work backwards. Like if this is what I know I want, then I need to figure out what are the things I need to do to get there. Yeah. I used to tell my mom all the time, like she would complain about something and I'd be like, mom, what is the solution? And she's like, what? I'm like, if there's no solution, why are we talking about this? Yes. Oh my God. Wait, when's your birthday? Um, May 26th. I'm a Gemini. Oh, I don't know what that means. (laughs) But I feel like that it'll speak to the kind of personality you have. Because I feel like I'm listening to somebody talk about me. (laughs) <laughs> but no this is me at like 10 so like she yes. would be like complaining about like something in her work day or something like that and I would be like mom is there a solution for this and she's like I'm sorry what I'm like if there's no solution why are we discussing this like I feel like <laughs> about this every day when you come home for work and she's like you know what go to your room and I'm like <laughs> <laughs> you got sent to your room because she was challenged by that <laughs> that's why you got sent to your room <laughs> like, I'm a Nigerian mother you are not about to be here talking to me all type of stuff Always go to your room. Mm-hmm. I feel like I'm correct, but you're not ready to accept that. 
Mm-hmm. And you were correct. If you're not going to focus on the solution, there's no need in hashing out the, the problem. And it's funny because my husband, even now, he'll like get frustrated with me when I basically shut him down. He'll start complaining about something. And I'm just like, OK, but well, what are you going to do about it? Because I hear you complain about it all the time. But are you are you making an effort to change it or are you just going to keep complaining? So now he doesn't even like, he's like, you don't even let me express myself. I'm just like, well, that's because you're just complaining, like do something about it. I know I do feel bad. So like now I'm just like, I'll, I'm trying to be a better listener, but I also think that you have to proactively go after the, the answer to the problem, not just harp on it. Like, okay, what are we going to do to make it better? And if it can't anyway. be changed, accept it. Yeah, exactly. Or adapt. Mm, I like that. I feel like I need to write that down. <laughs> <laughs> so what did you want to be when you were growing up? I wanted to be a lawyer. I was very sure of that. I I knew that. I knew that I was going to be your answer. Wanted to be a lawyer. Like, oh my God, I wanted to argue cases. I wanted to be able to like, just like be in court saying the things. I was sure of my, oh, I was so sure of it. Like yeah. my dad and I used to do these mock trials where he would give me a particular situation I was responsible for like over the next like week or two to research one side of it. He would research the other side of it. And then we would have to come together and I would have to argue my viewpoint without getting flustered, without yelling, without having a tantrum. And I would have to um, like present my case as to why it was X, Y, and Z. Like, oh my God. Yeah. I was wow. I was ready. That's that's very thorough of you guys. Oh my god, that's intense. I no, I have Nigerian parents who was like, "You will be a doctor, a lawyer, or an engineer, and we will prepare you for greatness. Greatness <laughs> only. Your Google name is greatness." Yeah. Oh my god! <laughs> Look, it, 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 I said I wanted to do a podcast. How can we do this to the best of the abilities? Come on. <laughs> I keep saying like if I was not Jamaican, I would want to be Nigerian. But I feel like we're one and the same because they they picked us from the same place. That's where they picked us from Nigeria and took us to Jamaica. That's what it was because we're we're the same, right? Culturally, yeah. I mean, because I think about it all the time. Like my dad used to make us do book reports as we were like it would just be like but why dad but I was the kid that was like I wanted to have the best book report like I wanted it to be like better than my sister like always I was that kid (laughs) I don't know what they do to us but the competition be real you're like well if we're doing book reports mine is gonna be the one to be on the fridge my report exactly so can you talk about that moment in your life where you realized you were not so sure that this is who you wanted to be? Ooh. Honestly, I, some days, even now, I still think I should have been a lawyer, but I was so sure of law school until at the age of 16, I was diagnosed with cancer. Um, it was really my experience with healthcare mm-hmm. and what I went through and just kind of like to this day, I still have such fond memories of a lot of the people who took care of me during that time. Yeah. Um, Some of them are still there and still take care of me to this day, you know, came to my high school graduation, like so much about my life changed from that experience. And so I went from being sure about going into law to knowing for a fact that I wanted to go into healthcare. Oh, wow. For me, it was, I really went through, through a lot. And those people supported me in ways that I didn't even, I didn't even know what they did was a job, you know, because mm-hmm. I'm not even talking about like the doctors, um, you know, don't get me wrong. I had an amazing doctors, but doctors don't usually have the best bedside manner. They're not yeah. the ones like, coming to your graduation afterwards. <laughs> it's like, eh, I cut you open, go on about your life. Yeah. But I mean, because they spend so little time with you. And when you think about the grand scheme of it all, they do the surgery, they leave, they come in the morning, they round, but really it's the nurses and all of these other people. So for me, I I developed a really, really strong relationship with the patient access people. So those are the people who, when you come for your appointment, they check you in for what you're coming in for. They ask you for your insurance information. Um, They're the ones who like follow up with you to call you about your appointment reminders, all of these things. 
This is before they automated all of that. <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, like a person would call you. Right. Um, but I developed a really strong relationship with these people. And i that's actually what I do for a living now. I manage the people who do that work. Oh, wow. So, yeah. Um, I remember just knowing like, okay, I knew I didn't want to be a doctor or a nurse or anything like that. But those people were the ones who would ask me because, you know, they're the first face you see. They would ask me about the fact that the last time they saw me, I was talking about prom, you know, because like, you know, of course, as a teenager, I had these two tubes coming out of my side after surgery. And my biggest concern was like, well, prom is coming and these tubes yeah. have to get out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I'm worried which about is, that. Instead so of the which is so appropriate at 16 years old. Come on now. Oh like, my God. I'm not worried about anything else. My parents, on the other hand, are like, how is she still thinking about prom? And I'm like, don't take that <laughs> away from me. <laughs> like, it's not fair. She's like, do you know what your body's just been through? And you're over yeah. here crying about prom. And I'm like, we have to find a dress that covers this. Oh, wow. Um, so that was my biggest concern. And the fact that, you know, doctors, they don't think about the fact that you are still a child going through this. Mm-hmm. They're focused on getting you better. But the patient access staff were the ones who would ask me about things that had nothing to do with me being sick. Mm-hmm. And that's what really resonated with me because I hated the, oh my God, you have cancer. Oh God, I used to hate that. Like, it was just like, I'm more than that. I'm more, I have so much more in my life than the fact that I have cancer. There's more mm-hmm. to it. And they were one of the only people who would like, oh, I remember from your last appointment, you talked about, you know, trying to find a prom dress. Did you find one? I thought this one would look great on you. And it was just like, oh, these people are amazing. Yeah. Um, that's how I ended up in healthcare. So, you know, went to college, still thought I was, you know, I did pre-law, all of these things. Um then decided to change it to communication because I was trying to figure out, I was like, I don't know what I want it to be. And then um, when I graduated, my first job was as a financial counselor, which is, you know, helping patients who cannot afford to um, pay their medical bills and things like that mm-hmm. or they're underinsured and then just worked my way up from there. So I always say cancer changed my life because I probably would have been in a whole different trajectory. That's amazing. I love that story. Honestly, because I mean, I I think about what I was doing at 16 and I mean, I was definitely focused on I was really involved in church at that age. Like by 16, I was just like all in. But just to be like having to deal with the mental part of that kind of sickness, I just it. I think I can agree with your parents. Like, how were you even thinking about prom? Like what kept you grounded during that time? where you didn't like get caught up with the fact that you have this life-threatening disease. I always say that the strong child I was as a kid, God knew to make me that strong because he knew this was coming. Mm. So I had always had just like mental fortitude, even from a young age. So I can honestly say the first time I had cancer, I was unfazed because I was like, I mean, but there's also this, like, when you're young, you really think you're invincible. Yeah. Um, I was on the swim team, track team. I was, by, like, I was in shape. Like, I bounced back. Like, I remember yeah. coming in for my follow-up appointment. He was like, how is she still, like, work, walking so well? And I was like, what are you talking about? I feel great. <laughs> Amazing. You know, like, it would be, like, maybe all of, like, four or five days and I would be down. But then after that, it was like, uh, is that it? Is that what we were talking about? Wow. Um. But when it came back, so I went through like a year of like remission and then it came back. That was hard for me um, because the surgery had to be a lot more intense. So I had a desmoid tumor that like ranged from like right under my boob all the way down to my thigh. Um, Wow. they ended up the first time they took out, they took it out, but they didn't take out all of my stomach muscles and stomach walls and all these things. But the second go around, um, they ended up having to take out all of my stomach muscles, all of my stomach wall, a few nerves in my leg. Um, and, you know, like they had to prepare me for the fact that I would be basically like deformed. So like my stomach is not, um, it's not normal. Like if you look at it most people think I'm pregnant or I've had a baby and I have a pooch or something like that. Oh, wow. That's not the case. 
And so them preparing me for that mentally was hard for me because, you know, we live in a society that, you know, how you look is so important. Mm -hmm. And I had always been like, you know, track team, swim team, you name it. I was just active and I wasn't going to be able to do that anymore. And so a lot of those things, it was more so I looked at cancer as taking away a lot from me versus looking at it as in I survived something that a lot of people do not. Um, But that second go around really was hard because then it was like going off to college as well. It it just was a lot of things that went the second go around that didn't happen the first. So then adjusting to this new body I have and some of the limitations because I'd always been very strong. um, I... I honestly can say like during that time, it was it was difficult, but it was leaning on my parents more than anything. Like I had always yeah. been the independent child, mm-hmm. but um, in that moment, I had to really kind of take a step back. And um, my high school counselor um, was really like instrumental in helping me through that time period. Mm-hmm. Um, like literally, like I remember after finding out the second time I went right to the school, right to her office and I boohoo cried. Like oh, wow. I think that's the first time I really cried about the situation and I like cried so like deep from my gut because I was like, I'm going to be deformed for life. Um, oh, God. Yeah, like it, it was that that was the part that struggled for me was the deformity, not necessarily the sickness. It was knowing that forever I would be left with a deformity. And that's something that people don't talk about. Yeah. They want you to be happy that you're alive and you survived. Nobody really talks about the like after effects of cancer and like having to relearn your body. It, it is a very... Um, real and jarring um, experience. Yeah. So, I mean, that was about what, not to age you, but about half of your life, right? Yeah. Yes. So, (laughs) so what, how have you now come into yourself, you know, accepting that as part of who you are now? Honestly, I had to get to a place where it's like, you know what, this is the body you have. Be thankful you have it because Mm -hmm. there's some people who don't make it to the other side of this. Yeah. So you got a little pooch. That just means you got more loving. <laughs> yeah, um, get, like, you, get you a good girdle, sis. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even bother with it these days. Like, yeah. It is what it is. Um, but just coming to a place of like understanding, because like there was a time it would hurt me when people would be like, oh, are you pregnant? And it's like, oh, God, no, I'm not. If so, this would be disturbing because this is oddly shaped. Yeah. Um, but it's coming to that space of just recognizing, you know what, just be happy you have your life Mm -hmm. Um, because there's a lot of people who can't say that they survived cancer not once but twice. And if this is your badge of honor, so this is your reminder to take care of this body because it's been through a lot. And this pooch is your daily reminder of like, hey, this is your temple. This is the one that you have. And that's mm-hmm. it. Wow. I knew you had to humble me a little bit. See? Yeah. I mean, look, and let me be too snatched out of it out here. Like, oh, boo, you can't tell me nothing. Right. Because you, you might have been a person that nobody wanted to be around if you had continued on that path. You're like, mm, can't tell me nothing. I'm a right. Exactly. Crazy person. So I guess, so you survived cancer twice. That's amazing. Um, what was it like now? Like, I mean, again, this is a long time ago, but just like, you know, re-entering the world, basically, like after going through all of that, like coming back into normal life, what was that like? Oh my God. Um, it <laughs> it was hard. Um, the reason I say that is because I went through radiation and because of where my cancer was, uh, the radiation was going to be right over my ovaries. So they gave me something they call a Lupron shot, which basically like shuts down everything. So mm. like you don't have a period for a year um, and you basically have like menopausal like symptoms. So like mm. I'm experiencing hot flashes. And mind you, this is my freshman year of college. And I lived in the dorms because I did not want to go from home. Yeah. Um, I wanted to be normal. I was like, you know, I want to be like everybody else. Everybody yeah. else to go to college. So no, I am not going to go from home. Like I'm <laughs> 
still having a normal life. But Lord, those hot flashes were real, like real, real. I was like, oh, Jesus, I'm not ready to get old. Um, <laughs> but for a year, I literally had menopausal-like symptoms. Um, you know, I couldn't lift my leg up from the ground all the way. So like, if you see me to put my underwear on, I used to have to like drag my leg. Like it was, it, oh, yeah, wow. it was real. And this is at 18 years old, like things that you have to Take like regret. Oh my God. Things you not only take for granted, but just like while everybody else is like living their best life, staying out, doing this, doing that, you are busy trying to figure out how to do things again one, mm-hmm. and how to, you know, for me at that age, it was also like how to like cover up the gut. So like, you know, I had to like, you know, the high waisted jeans used to suck some stuff in, man. Yeah. <laughs> so it, was, it was difficult because on one end, I wanted to like be out partying with my friends all the time uh, because that's what you're supposed to be doing your freshman yeah. year. But then you know, I would be in so much pain afterwards or like just not recognizing that it takes like a year to fully recover from such major surgery. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it 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 was jarring, but it also made me realize like I had to learn to listen to my body and learn to be really in tune with it. Mm-hmm. And that's one thing I can say I'm very blessed with. Like I'm the same person. My friends laugh about this all the time, but I remember, like, I think I had my tonsils removed and I got up like the day that like two days later and I was like, I have pneumonia. My mother was like, what? <laughs> I, was like, I have pneumonia. We have to go to the hospital. She was like, who just says that? Go take a shower and go lay down. I was like, no, we're going to the hospital. I have pneumonia. We get there. They're like, uh, she has pneumonia. We have to admit her. And I literally was in the hospital for six days. Wow. They're like, yeah. They're like, yeah, if she would have waited much longer, like this could have took her out. But I literally was just like, I literally, like, it was like, I woke up from sleep and was like, I have pneumonia. <laughs> like, that's what this is. Yeah, this is, this is pneumonia. And so I've become very in tune. You know, I think I was even telling you, like, um, I recently had extensive surgery. And mm-hmm. even with that, I was like, I woke up throwing up. But even with that, like, normally I probably would have been like, oh, my God, I'll just figure, you know, probably ate something I shouldn't have. But I remember I was like, something is wrong. Like, something about this is not right. I need to go to the hospital. And I got there and they're like, yeah, your intestine has looped around itself and we need to, like, it's dying. We have to cut it out before it ruptures. And so I can honestly say, yes, um, that time was difficult. But in that time, you're alone in your dorm a lot. It forced me to learn my body. Mm-hmm. To listen to my body. So if everybody's staying out late and at nine o'clock I'm done, at nine o'clock I would be like, well, we got to go. Um, and so that's something I can say I'm definitely blessed with even now is knowing how to know when my body has had enough. Yeah, I think that's important. Um, that's not a conversation that we have a lot in our community, especially um, even for me, like thinking back on, as I'm listening to your story, I, I'm thinking back to after I um, had gave birth to nation and I came home and I just, I could feel my body had changed because of the surgery. And like, I wanted to just get up and go. And my body just kept telling me, no, you just need the rest. And I remember like feeling so low. Because it was just like, dang, here's this little baby that needs me and I can't even like be my full self for him because I have to take care of my own body. You know what I mean? And so I think there is a strength, though, in being that self-aware and being so conscious of what your body is telling you and and honoring that. You know what I mean? So for you, what has... What has taking care of yourself in that way done for you in your life in general? Like how how has that impacted the way you now move as an adult? You know, I'm sure an 18 year old you is not the same as Anna today. But how is she insane? Like in terms of just the way that she takes care of herself. Um, I can say, like, you know how I'm so happy to see it that now a lot more black women are into self-care. Like mm-hmm. it is an active conversation. We are no longer um, in this like we're super woman um, problem or syndrome that I feel like we were yeah. all going through. Um, I feel like I was blessed to kind of bypass that. <laughs> I've always like 
I, <laughs> my everybody calls me bougie for it, but not <laughs> that's fine. Okay. I'm okay with it. Mm-hmm. Um, I've always gotten a monthly massage, facial manicure, pedicure, you name it. I believe in from head to toe, I want to be pampered. Yeah. Um, and I believe in really unplugging. So for me, what that looks like is I love being amongst trees and like in nature, in the environment. I know exactly what I need to recharge myself because of that. So in learning my body, I also learned a lot about what my body needs. So you, I think earlier I told you how like, you know, for the most part, I I stay in my office, but I take an afternoon walk. Mm. For me, that is very important. Moving for my body, like I cannot sit at a desk for eight hours in a day. I, If I get to work at nine, I'm going to eat by 12 and by 1230, I'm taking a walk. Mm. So I've learned exactly what my body needs to stay optimal, you know? And so I can honestly say those challenges helped me be a healthier adult um, because, you know, you pay attention more to the fact that, okay, wait, I probably shouldn't eat that because of the fact that I know it might do this to my body or I know I shouldn't allow things to stress me for prolonged periods of time. So I don't keep a lot of things in. So people will probably say that, oh, she just says what's ever on her mind. But I really believe that holding things in can cause like sickness in your body. Mm -hmm. That we are not releasing whatever that is. So I'm that person who, If you've angered me, I'm going to just say, hey, I don't like how you did that and I don't appreciate it. Yeah. I'm going to put it out there, let you share your piece, and then I've released it. I'm not about to, you know, people who just are on things, I can't. No, Um, yeah. Such a, a, an interesting form of self care. (laughs) I like that. I like that a lot, actually. (laughs) Because to me, I think it's just so important. I think sometimes, like, think about it. Have you ever, like, had a fight with someone, like your husband or anyone, and then afterwards you're thinking about all the things you could have said or you didn't say? Or Oh, like, yes. Because I am like, the most passive-aggressive person you will ever meet. So I hold it. And, I, and it's something that I am actively working on is being less passive-aggressive. But yes, I, it's funny because I have notes in my phone of like arguments that we've had where I write down all of the things that I wanted to say. And yes. so now I'm working on like, okay, this is round two and you're going to listen to all of this list that I did. All of these are all the things that I did not like that just happened. <laughs> but this is round two and you're about to listen to all this. <laughs> you're about to get all the smoke and here we go. Yeah. Um, I will say for me, it's like, that to me is not healthy for you. Yeah. You know, it's not. So that's why I'm very big on, I just, I say it now. Granted, one thing I have to work on is like, because I release things, I also don't hold on to things at all. So like, if you upset me today, I'm, I've moved on from it tomorrow. Like Mm -hmm. I haven't thought about it again. Like that's it. It's done. So I have a tendency to have moved on and now you're upset and your feelings are hurt or you're you're like in your feelings about it. And I'm just kind of like, la-di-da. Hey. And it's like, don't talk to me. And I'm like, we still beefing. We still talking about that. I I thought we said everything. Why are you angry? Mm -hmm. You know? And so that's one thing I always have to be cognizant of is that other people don't operate like that. One, two, other people, like you could say something that really hurt my feelings. You could be like, I think you are just the most bossiest B word on earth. And I Mm -hmm. feel like don't care about anybody. And that would hurt me because I'm one of those people who like, I'm like, but I care about everybody. What happened? Mm-hmm. And then like, how did we get here? Um, and then I'm going to say how I feel. And then tomorrow I'm going to be like, hey, how you doing? And it's going to be like, she's just being fake. No. Yeah, no, I'm not. I let you share your piece. I shared mine. It's not that deep. Let's move on. Yeah. Um, but I, I, that's one thing I just pray for us as a, country as a world just everybody release it and move on from it mm-hmm. but human nature is to release and hold mm. so interesting well I'm, I'm happy to have gotten this much information about you because I didn't know all these things and it's it's so good so so good I hope you guys have been listening and taking notes um but I kind of want to shift gears now and talk a little bit about the Black Pod Collective so I know I'm I'm really excited for you guys 
got y'all if you've never heard of them go check them out right now on instagram um i'll let her spell it out at the end because i always get it wrong (laughs) (laughs) but talk a little bit about the black pod collective like how'd you guys get started um you did at the beginning like talk about you know the importance of community you know especially for us black podcasters this is a very white male space that we are trying to now you know put our foot in and there are some really really great shows run by especially women of color um that i really love um and i'm just excited to see what you guys plan to do how y'all gonna change the world tell me about it oh so much change the world (laughs) possibility okay um so for starters we got started just off of a I say a humbug some days because of the fact that it was just one of those things where it's like I needed support when developing my own podcast. And I honestly didn't feel like I should be the person creating this because I'm like, if I'm saying I need support, how am I going to be the one to create it? I'm saying I want somebody else to come support me. (laughs) Um, But the more I looked into it and, you know, Nicole, who's on my team, she was like, why not you? Like, put it out there. You've done so much research. You know a lot more than you're giving yourself credit for. Yeah. Um, So put it out there. And then the things you don't know, people will come together to offer that. Like, what is meant to be, the universe will make happen. Mm -hmm. Um, And so literally April 8th of 2019, I think it was like midnight or something like that. (laughs) And I posted our first thing on Instagram. Like I literally created the Instagram page and just like posted the little logo I made on Canva. (laughs) And that was the start of this. Like that was it. I did not, I envisioned events. I envisioned a lot of things that we're doing now in stages. So um, I, I don't, you know, I don't know people's, beliefs, but I believe in God. And Mm. uh, for me, I, I spend quite a bit of time communing with God. So I'm very big on my time with God and listening to what I'm receiving. Yeah. But also putting out there what I'm wanting to do. Mm. And so I had, I, I literally, I think Nicole and I spoke about it on April 6th. Yes. And then April 7th, she literally like put together like a mock-up logo. Like she was like, no, I really think you should do this. And I was like, okay, wait, hold on. I was just (laughs) telling you something like one day down the line, I would like to do. Mm -hmm. And she was like, "Mm, no, I think you should do it now. And so that was April 7th. And then by midnight, which brought it into April 8th, I had put it out there after praying about it. So like the reason it took the midnight, because like Nicole is like, she goes to sleep super early. Um, (laughs) Nicole said, it's like at four. And I literally spent from like four to about 11 o'clock at night, like just praying about like, okay, if I'm not the right person to do this, just tell me, you know, like figuring that out. Um, Because to me, I think it's important. And I think there's a huge responsibility that comes in creating community. Mm -hmm. And to me, that's what this is, you know, I am creating a community and there's a res- like I'm responsible for what that messaging is and what yeah. that looks like. And so I wanted to make sure I was properly guided before I did something like God, don't let this be self-seeking or, you know, self-satisfactory. Um, so in every decision and everything that we do, it's always goes back to that pillar of how does this serve our community? Yeah, First I love and- that. I love that. I, I think it's so important because a lot of times I see a lot of people starting things and you can tell that it's very self-promoting and out of, you know, a desire for fame or for popularity rather than really being, like you're saying, a source of strength or a source of inspiration or education or something for somebody else, right? But before we talk about this, I got to talk about Nicole because you, that's her name, right, Nicole? I think we all need that kind of friend that's going to hear your idea and just be like, do it, do it right now. Like, what's stopping you? What are you waiting for? Um, so can you just talk a little bit about what that feels like to have that kind of support? Oh my God. Um, 
Nicole, I call her the calm. So we are polar opposites in personality. (laughs) But it works amazingly because I'm very like, I can go from zero to 100 very quickly, (laughs) Um, like very quick. But the whole time I could be at 100 and Nicole is still at her good calm five, like, you know, everything will be fine. You know, just take a breath or she's that great buffer. So she has definitely on days where I'm like, I'm not doing this anymore. Like when we get like hate mail, as I call it, where people like, if I don't follow them back or I don't respond back quickly or. Oh my God. Do you feel like that? Or they sent me something and I didn't post it or just whatever. And I'm like, are you serious? Like, I find myself being like, I'm not doing this. Like, they do realize, like, we're not out here, like, making bank or anything like that. We're not making money. I'm paying for these events out of my own pocket. Like, you know, when I go through these moments of where it's like, I'm over it. Nicole is that reminder of why I created this. Yeah. Um, Consistently like she'll let me vet like don't get me wrong Nicole (laughs) okay and then like the next day she's gonna be like so how are you feeling (laughs) you know like it's time to do the things (laughs) Um, and so it really helps to have a person who reminds you of your why you created the thing but also is your motivator like I always say Nicole is the motivator Shinopa is the executor Mm. love Shinopa hey girl hey (laughs) (laughs) like it's it's amazing. I'm I tend to be the one with the ideas of like, okay, let's do this, let's do this, let's do that. But I can sometimes have the idea and then get burnt out. Yeah. And then I'm like, I don't want to do any of it. Mm. No, yeah. So, I mean, that's a very real thing. That happens to me daily. Like, and I mean, I, well, let me ask you, why do you think that happens to you? Um, I think because I'm doing so much. So there's Black Pod Collective. Then I have my own billing and coding company. Then I have an event planning company. Then I have a whole relationship. So Airbnb, like, you know, so some days it's like, you know, I might have an Airbnb guest checking in and I got to flip over the space so that that way it's ready for them. And then I might have an event happening and then the billing and coding, somebody called out and and I got to figure that out. And and somebody on Black Pod Collective is cussing me out. And I'm like... Yeah, I'm, it's too much today. Too much. <laughs> oh, I'm doing this for free. Why are you being mean to me? <laughs> no, yeah, I hear you. Yeah. So, so it, it can be it can be challenging only because of the fact that you want like I want everything to be in excellence. So mm-hmm. unbeknownst to you, at the Podfest um, meetup we did, I was having a full like panic attack. Like a really, oh my god! So we were supposed to have a DJ. The DJ, you know, and not his fault at all. You know, person from the community, but he ended up like getting stuck in traffic and was not able to make it. Well, I'm literally like running around trying to figure out how we can get a speaker because we were going to have music, and now there's no music. Girl, literally nobody was even worried about no music. We was all vibing, like girl. I literally, I wish you could have seen me in the back. I brought like finally JBL ag- agreed to like sponsor us and like let us use their speaker and all this stuff. And then I got it there and couldn't get it to work. Oh no. And I was back to the room to get them. But then I was like, wait a minute, Anna, this is something that's just for like an hour. Calm down and yeah. interact with people. Miss the actual interaction of all of yes. this. And I literally said it like Carrie Ann was like, okay, let's see how we can do this. I said, no, I said, we're going to stop. We're going to enjoy this. We're going to talk to people. We're going to leave the music alone. I'm going to calm down. Let me go get drink some water and I'm going to take a step back and we're going to do this. Normally that would have been Nicole to pull me out of that. And so I was so proud of myself to be able to actually pull my own self out. Yeah. I came back and was like, Nicole, I did it. And she was like, I'm sorry. <laughs> but th- that's the type of thing because the fact that I can be very like, I can also sometimes be like very stringent. Like if this is what yeah. I said was going to happen, it has to happen. And I'm blessed to have a team of people who are able to help me pivot. Mm-hmm. And be like, okay, you know, nobody cares. Like look at the room. Everybody's enjoying yeah, it. I mean, even when you guys tried to start playing the game, we was all like, nah, bro, we straight. We just want to talk to each other. We just want to mingle. We just want to. That's why I was like, don't tell me y'all don't want to play games. Yeah. So if I mean, we don't want to do that, we don't have to. 
I I think that's so important though, because I mean, I'm just listening to you and I'm just like, God, Martina, you just, you've come a long way too, sis. Because I was that person, like if things were not going exactly how I planned, because I'm a planner, like I have a list that breaks down the steps within the steps within the steps. And so it's just like, I like to be able to check those things off. And it's just like, sometimes you got to take a step back for real and be like, look, it's not going to work out like that. What are you going to do? Wallow or keep it moving? And, you know, nine times out of 10, you just got to keep it moving or you're going to miss out on the experience, on the moment. And I realized for me that I had missed out on a lot of moments in life because I was so caught up in creating the moment. And it's just like, girl, ain't no moment if you're not there. You can't enjoy it if you weren't there to, to like calm down. So I I definitely can concur. And I'm glad you were able to pull yourself out of that because the event was so fun. It was, I mean, it was so simple. We literally just sat around for an hour and talked to all these other dope Black people. Like, come on now. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so happy to hear that because... I'm just excited because I'm happy I got to actually experience it because in 2020, I said I wanted to start experiencing our events. Like last year, we did some amazing events. Like so many people have such great things to say about these events, but I don't remember them. I remember the like me planning and me making sure there was enough drinks and me making sure that, you know, each panelist had what they needed. And, you know, like the the event space was secure and that we cleaned up afterwards and got out of there in a timely fashion. So, so many of our events last year, people, they, they didn't, they didn't even know I was who I was because I'm usually not in the forefront. Um, Like I didn't introduce myself in the beginning. I just let the event start. And then I focused on like, okay, well, we have to be out by X, Y, and Z time. And so I want to make sure people are still enjoying, but I'm going to focus on cleaning up. And this year I was very, to me, it was very important to make sure I actually experienced our events because if everybody else is saying these great things, but I don't remember them. Yeah. You're the community creator, but that does not mean you can't be a part of the community. Exactly. Yeah. That's so good. I'm so happy for you. I'm glad that you're having all of these adult moments, you know, canceled. I was like, really? Oh, I know. Let's not talk about the coronavirus right now. I'm over it. I'm over this quarantine. I'm over being locked up in the house. I'm grateful to still be gainfully employed. Thank you, Jesus. I worship you. But I'm ready to get out of this house. I'm slowly losing my mind. (laughs) Cabin fever has gone from zero to a thousand in less than five. (laughs) But I digress. By the time this podcast airs, hopefully we have return to normal life and people are enjoying each other's company outside of the four walls of their homes. I touch and agree. Yes. To the screen. Glory. (laughs) (laughs) So these are my last few questions, Anna. What do you believe is your purpose in life? Oh my God, this is so deep. It's not Um, meant to be. But I think it's important just listening to you. You, I mean, I have my my take on what I think you're supposed to be doing, but I think it's nice to hear people verbalize it, especially when you're trying to see how that translates in the decisions that they make. And like you're doing the communities they create, the experiences they involve themselves in. So what, what's, what's your purpose? Um, it's okay if you don't know. I'm not a hundred percent sure, but in my quiet time, what resonates for me is um, being a people connector, like being able to bring people together. Um, and it's it's interesting because like we had our first meetup and I remember I was like, well, who's going to lead it? And like Shinopa was like, what do you mean? I'm like, you're the leader. What do you mean? <laughs> because... <laughs> But here's the thing. You'll notice that you rarely see me on our Instagram page. Yeah. Um, it took me a while before I met you at She Pod or through She Podcast to figure out who you were, like who was the person in charge. It's so true because you're just so incognito. <laughs> That's intentional. Um, <laughs> because I always tell people I didn't create this to like amplify me. Yeah. So 
even in our workshops, like every workshop just about has somebody else leading the workshop. Mm -hmm. And it's not to say I'm not versed, but it's, I want to give other people an opportunity to one, have the limelight, but two, it's how we all come together. And so I've been trying to figure out like, yes, I want to be the community connector. Um, Like I tell people this all the time. Ultimately, I want to have our own Black Pod Fest. Yeah. Um, But I, I want to take it one step further. So that's the part I still don't know what that looks like. You know, I know I want to own my own podcast studio. Like I know those type of things. But as far as like my own purpose, other than community connector and being able to show people that you can create community without it being all about you, um, because I think sometimes we we don't know another model. We don't know another frame. Um, so we can get stuck on just like it being us pushing out information or bringing the community together. But I, I want to see, I want to see all of us like uplift together. Like, and I mean men and women too. So like, I, I'm very, I'm very, like people do ask me like, cause you know, we're all women team. Yeah. So sometimes people think that we're yeah, only women, women mm-hmm. but let me say this the best way I can. We cannot, as a community, rise and leave our men behind. Yeah. And, you know, this is the era of women hear me roar. There's so many platforms and so many things just amplifying women of color. And I think that is amazing. But what about our men? Mm -hmm. And that for me is also very important, but it's also difficult because I'm not a man. Um, And so for me, that's why when you ask about what is my purpose, there's a community component to that, but there's also a figuring out how we get back to amplifying men and women. Mm. There's I'm I'm seriously struggling with what I'm seeing in society these days, not just from um, like society in general, but also podcasting. You know, we're starting to see where African American women of color are growing exponentially as hosts, but we are not seeing we're not that seeing the men at all. And I don't think it's a wise decision as a society um, and especially for our community to have our men be silenced. Mm. So um, now do you think that they're being silenced or do you think that they're just choosing not to engage in this space? I think they're being silenced. Um, The reason I say that is who's creating community for them? Like, Mm about it. So there's women of color podcasters, Latina podcasters, you know, and I think both of those women who created those organizations are amazing. But in the same token, and you know, I sometimes struggle with this, like we are a women's work, like a women ran organization, but we're for men as well. And it can be hard to try to create things for a man when you're not a man, yeah. you know, like I, I think I try to hold a um, uh, men's talk conversation was something I wanted to do this year. And one of the big things the team kept talking about was like, but will men come to it? Like mm-hmm. a lot of our events, like our January event had the most men we've ever seen at any of our events. And wow. I remember, oh my God, thank you, Jesus. Like I prayed for it, here it is. And so just in general, it's, we're not creating things that they want to come to. Mm-hmm. Um, like I, my boyfriend said this best, um, uh, what was that darn organization? Essence. Essence had a, a like a, a marketplace and they had a like a speaker lineup and all these things. Yeah, yeah, I remember that in Atlanta. It was it was nice. It was great. But here's the thing. I, I remember somebody saying like, oh, I'm surprised more men aren't here. And I remember I said it to my boyfriend. And he was just like, but why would we come? Like, look at who you guys curated the stage to be. Yeah who the the vendors you have in the space. So even on a larger scale, even the things that are being created are geared to women because mm-hmm. we're looked at at the as the ones who do the purchasing. We're looked at as the ones who need to be empowered, but men need to be empowered just as well just mm-hmm. in a different 
in a different way. And so I just have serious concerns about what that like how that's what that looks like. And so that's why when people ask me, like, you know, asking me that question, I know there's a piece of that in there. I just don't know what that looks like because I'm not a man, but I know I'm very passionate about wanting to make sure that our men are still, they still have a voice that Mm -hmm. they're still considered, they're still thought of. I think sometimes we're getting to a point where, and I don't, I don't like this. We're getting to a point where we are not thinking about them in this space at all. Mm. It's interesting because I kind of been I've been dabbling and not dabbling, but like thinking through that same thought, even with putting myself out there more um, as like the face of it. And even like when I was creating my new podcast art, I really struggled with putting my face on it. It was something that I really did not want to do. And what? say it again. What? Why? Like you, I, I just I don't I. I really struggle with being in the limelight in that way because like you, I'm not creating this space for me. Like, yes, I created it because of something that I was going through, but it was never to serve me. You know what I mean? So like even recently I've been posting more pictures of myself on the Instagram page and it's getting the most engagement I've seen on the page. And I'm just like, why guys, now I have to do this more. And it's like, this is not my Instagram. This is about the people that are coming to this space to grow, to bloom. But I think it's because, and this is kind of to not kind of play devil's advocate in terms of what you're saying about even yourself, people want to connect to another person. And in terms of creating a community, a community is held together by a leader, by a figure. That's why we have figureheads. That's why we have presidents. That's why we have representatives because people come together through community, through somebody that brings us all together, right? And so you need a face for a community in a lot of ways. And that's not to say you need to start posting yourself more on your Instagram, but it's to say like, you got to be okay with like being the one to take the charge in that way. And in the second half of that though, in thinking about our men, because that is something that I've been thinking about too, even with and I think people have noticed I tried to introduce more black into my like brand colors because I didn't want it to keep coming off as so girly because I think that men should bloom too. And I think that men should have a space and an opportunity to voice their their journey. Right. But I think that there and I you really have me thinking now there is this like stigma, especially in the black community where because even with my husband, like people really love the episode where he and I were on there together. And he's just like, why? I didn't even say anything like and I'm just like, no, you have good things to say. And I think it's kind of like the underlying mentality where you're right in a sense that they're being silenced, but they also don't feel like they have anything to contribute to a lot of the conversation because it's not being curated for them. And so I think you have a really big responsibility in trying to figure out how to really cultivate a space that is... I know it's not nonpartisan because that's like parties, but like non-binary or gender whatever you got I'm not trying to be smart or nothing I'm just trying to figure out the word (laughs) a space that is cohesive for both men and women to grow and flourish and be served at the same time um so I guess my charge to you this is a really long-winded way of saying like I think and even for me it's just thinking about the human experience and being and creating things that will serve the people that you are trying to serve. If it serves them in a way, then they'll show up. And we just need to be more intentional about creating those things. Yeah. For me, and you hit the nail on the head. So for me, it's just making sure that we are always like even in the the conversations we're having that we're always like anytime we're talking about an event I'm always like okay how do we draw the men in yeah Uh, like literally it's a part of the conversation because I they're important they're an integral part of our community and um, if I'm saying I'm building community for all that that means I have to be building for all yeah Um, 
I know that next year that's going to be a huge focus. And so it's just one of those things where it's like, okay, as, as you know, I have to remind myself, we literally are just celebrating one year, you know, so sometimes I have to be like, okay, girl, take the pressure off. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, let's take a step back. Like you, you you guys did some amazing things. We had, you know, so many events. We saw over a thousand people come to our events. Like we've grown an email list to over 600 people. Like Mm -hmm. we're doing a lot and we just celebrated all of a year earlier this week. And so um, happy birthday. um, Congratulations. Um, like, and I did my first like video where I was like on there. I was, I still, saw like, it. I saw it. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> like, oh my god! But whatever. Girl, ain't nobody was worried about that. <laughs> eyebrows is getting out of hands. That's because ain't um, nobody open. Oh my god! It's getting it's getting really real. Okay, <laughs> y'all um, see her fingernails. Really, really, really <laughs> real. Like, I just they're just holding on. Oh sis. Mm-hmm. And I started my job on Monday. This is what I look like. Oh no! Yeah, that's okay. Yeah. They understand. They understand. My wig fell off on day one. On day no, day two on the job. Yep, I had I came home and crocheted my hair myself that night. Yep. Oh my god! Just, you know I'm here. Um, <laughs> oh, Jesus, <laughs> just it's pray okay. for me. It's okay. It's okay. Um, it's it's it's. <sighs> I want so much for us. And I sometimes have to remind myself to take five steps back, you know, yeah. because I hear you like, no, we're going to do it all. Yeah. And it's like, okay, girl, relax. You literally like you're just, you're just you're starting. Mm-hmm. You're just starting. And a lot of people don't start off doing events, you know, like they start off building the community yeah. online. Whereas we launched with like a bang, like events. Yeah online blog like and now this podcast I'm like so there's this part of me that's like super nervous about it I'm like, so I, I'm excited like, for it I'm so happy you are <laughs> my fear is what if nobody listens but then again I have that fear about events like what if nobody buys tickets mm-hmm. I was like what if nobody comes like I, yeah that's one of my biggest challenges that I have to work through is that nobody really likes us <laughs> <laughs> Girl, my team will tell you all the, every time it, it never fails. I'm always like, nobody's going to show up. And then we sell out and I'm like, huh, I don't think I got enough food. <laughs> <laughs> but, oh, God. Well, Anna, thank you so much for sharing with us today. This has been so insightful and I cannot wait to see what is in store for Black Pox Club Day. Hopefully the coronavirus will let us live our best life. <laughs> But we will rise again. We will come from the ashes. <laughs> Sorry. We so definitely dramatic. will. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. Um, thank you for giving me an opportunity to share with your audience. Um, I feel like I've shared more about myself than I have in, with anybody. So um, that's, that's exciting. I love it. I love it. You have a beautiful story. Well, thank you. Yeah. Um, I'm really excited. Like, you know, the podcast is launching April 29th. Um, it's, you know, not a traditional podcast in that we don't have a host. Oh, very so cool. Each, yeah. Each episode will be hosted by a different person. Oh, I love who, that. Who will be leading the conversation. So it's think of it as an educational podcast. It's a podcast for podcasters. Mm-hmm. Um, season one is all about the appropriate way to really get started. Everything from email marketing to social media marketing building an audience, um, monetizing before you start. Um, And so we have different people from our community that are actual podcasters who have done these things themselves, who will be leading conversations and providing you with like actionable steps to be able to kind of set yourself up in the right path. And for those who've even started already, it also gives you an opportunity to kind of like see if you're meeting the baseline, like it gives you an opportunity to kind of like look at your overall platform. So um, season one is for everyone. If you're thinking of starting a podcast, if you have one um, and you can find us, um, you can find the podcast on our website, which is BLK, um, pod, P-O-D, collective.com. Um, and we'll also have it on iTunes, Spotify, and Google. Um, we, I'm, I'm, I'm nervous, but so excited at the yeah, same time. For that. I'm really excited um, about this. So hopefully, um, hopefully everybody tunes in. Yeah. And so, yeah, 
feedback. And how else can we get connected to Black Pod Collective? Um, you can feel free to shoot us an email at hello at blackpodcollective.com. So that's B-L-K-P-O-D collective. Um, our Instagram is all, also blackpodcollective. And you can also feel free to go to our website and check out our directory and look at um, becoming a member. So um, if you go to the website, select membership, um, our lowest tier of membership is $5 a month, which gives you access to directory as well as discounts to our events as well as discounts to our workshops that we're rolling out later this month. Oh, yay. So exciting. Congratulations again on one year. And you guys, please, 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 please follow them on Instagram. If you're thinking about podcasting, if you already podcast or you just want to be connected to some great podcast. Um, And yeah, just do it. It'll bless you. It will. (laughs) Thank you for having me. This has been an amazing conversation. Yeah, thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed today's conversation in bloom. And don't forget to rate, subscribe, and review this podcast. Thanks for listening and see you next week.